1: five mics for the first time in the history of the italian-american podcast so oh, wow i'm without the headsets but uh this is exciting um
2: say hi marianne hi <laughs> ciao <laughs> the one
1: and only marian esposito <laughs> is in the tower of italian power here with ciao, us
2: ciao italia
0: wow, ciao italia yes this is I'm, I'm jealous of this room thank you i'm truly in my I'm, shangri-la it's a, a museum wanna,
1: it will be il we museo. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> il <It'll laughs> museo. That. are we live no, I had What's this thing you did? You filmed us? No. So that'll be a film. Don't worry.
0: About That's going on that it. Facebook. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's content. Yeah. Uh, all right,
1: I'm
3: going to hit That's the content? Music. What's what yeah. we don't like was that lo- nobody saw that, right? No.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> See that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. From the moment you're a small bambino, you eat pizza, you drink vino.
3: Then they make you roly-poly. You get stuffed with
2: ravioli. If your mama's a paisano, you will have the world on a plate. So see that you're born an
0: Italiano
1: and your life will be great. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian American podcast. For those of us born Italiani, life should be great. I hope you're all out there in podcast land enjoying another wonderful week. I am your moderator, John Viola, here from the Tower of Italian Power in the middle of Manhattan, New York City. Uh, I'm joined by two of my favorite people, the one and only Ms. You say that Rosella. To everybody?
3: What do you say when we're not here? Do you say it to the other people who were here?
1: You all know who's here because he's the first one to jump in before I finish introductions. Pat O'Boyle, always your favorite? Uh, my are favorite we really person. your
3: favorite people? You tell that to well, I
1: talk to you guys more than anybody. Rose here, too, by the way. You blew my hey. whole intro. So Rose here. I was just
2: thinking uh, after, I don't know, I hear the song all the time. But after this time, I, I was thinking, what if we did a music video?
3: Oh, that'd
1: be fantastic!
2: What do you think?
3: Making babies, Roly Poly? <laughs> how do you put that
1: in a music video? <laughs> oh, no, it's you get stuff. We'll figure it out. Then they'll make you Roly Poly. There's no making. So babies we have a skinny and kid, get, and then we make them chunky. Yeah, you make and them then like you like get stuffed lap. with ravioli. That's or how you? I look after a bowl of macaroni. I look like an anaconda that swallowed a deer. I have like you know skinny, skinny, and then just my big ponds from my macaroni. So we could we could pull that off.
2: Pons aside.
1: Pons aside. We have two very special guests with pons us. Pons aside. And it sounds like a diet program. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're really honored because we've got a, a real icon of the Italian American experience here with us today. And um, we're thrilled to have Cavalieri. Honored. Honored, honored and thrilled to have honored. Cavalieri, Marion Esposito, and Dr. Guy Esposito here with us today. Oh, their husband
0: so sweet. of how many years? Oh, God. Is it 54? Yes, we're dinosaurs.
1: <laughs> well, wow, you are we a are model. We are
0: dinosaurs, yes. You're a model of... But it's a uh, thrill to be in your cave. Thank you very much. Your it Italian is a cave, cave, it? cave it's, yes. Yeah.
1: This is a place that is every bizarre Italian passion in my head uh, lived out within four walls. So Where I think the
2: Manhattan special flows like wine. <laughs> that's
1: right, yes. The Brioski is in <laughs> <That's> buckets. <a, laughs> that'd be a great song. <laughs> Where Manhattan special flows like uh, wine. Our next theme song. <laughs> I noticed you guys both laughing throughout the theme song. Oh, who uh, wrote that? That's So that clever. was really interesting. That was a Louis Prima, oh, G My Own. I knew it. Unreleased number in 1966, I think. Yeah. They did it once on the Bobby Darin show, maybe. Yeah. And one of those shows. The Bobby Darin or um, Stephen Eadie show, one of those shows. And it never got released. And I found the album uh, at a garage sale. And I fell in love with the song because that's my mantra. And so when I got to know Lena Prima over the years, I said, "Lena, we got to do an album. I, I want to support what you're doing. She's amazing, and she loves her dad's legacy of music and she's very talented. And so we decided to do an album. and I said, "But you got to do this song." So I gave her the record and it was this really 60s swinging mm-hmm. Watusi, and she said, "Okay, but can I redo this in big band?" I said, absolutely. So she did. And then uh, Joe Piscopo was going to come out and do the male part for us. And he got uh, stuck in New Jersey. His mom got sick. And so I did the male part with Lena, and what? that was on the CD. I, so. You
0: know, I thought that was Louis Prima, and we've met Lena. We oh, were
1: she's at, the best, isn't she?
0: Yeah, she's a great singer. She's got a great voice.
1: Yeah, she's unbelievable. She, she's a really talented, yeah. talented lady. And I've gotten to know her over the years, her and her husband Tim, and they are just amazing. Talented, passionate historians. Um, dedicated to the community lena runs a non-profit in for New women yes, yeah she's unbelievable mm-hmm. so so that's our theme song and it fits for our show
0: it's very catchy thank you very much except we, mama is a paisano not I know. a paisano
1: i didn't write it i know you know i thought that as we did it too <laughs>
0: Sorry, no, but no, I, I appreciate <laughs> it. I
1: it, actually, when I shower in the morning, sometimes I listen to it to get pumped up, and it bothers me every yeah, time. But yeah. I'm like, well, oh, yeah. it's what it's am I supposed to do? Yeah, now yeah, it's there. An you listen to
2: this to get pumped up in the shower?
1: I've been listening to this. I I've, it's either this or like you know early 20th century Italian immigrant stuff or. Pat's bagpipe collection from a brute. So I mean, I, this is my life. This is real. Sam Bouniadas. You Sambu, know, if you say
3: bagpipe, they just want to throw me under the Irish
1: bus. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, so yeah. Don't give them the I'm
3: fuel gonna... that they're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
4: questioning
1: what.
2: Throw out one of our T-shirts at the moment. That's a whole another episode. <laughs> that is
1: a whole other episode. Available that's true.
2: at the Italian Power Store on T Public.
1: That's a whole other episode. But yeah, that's what I like. This is the kind of music that I listen to. So Louis Prima's is probably. One of my favorites, Mm. I think. That kind of music, to me, is everything that I look for. As a matter Mm of fact, my wife and I, when we got married, we had, uh, Lena was there, and we had uh, Alfio, our friend Alfio, who many of our audience know, a great performer. He came in and did some special numbers, and he did, uh, I guess, what would be called (laughs) Zuma Zuma Bacalaba Mm or Cella Luna. Mm -hmm. And he did it for about, a half an hour. We had so many encores that we just all kept dancing. Oh, Alfio's Cella Luna is... Oh, it's fantastic. Unbelie-
2: Alfio is the wedding singer of the Italian American podcast. <laughs> yes, he sang yes, at not. my wedding, he sang at John's <laughs> wedding. True. We're waiting for Pat. <laughs> we need he it. He did not to. sing at Dolores' wedding, but she will even tell you this. She loved him so much, they just streamed his entire album. <laughs> That's
1: true, yeah. <laughs> so he was technically there. Yeah. We had yeah. a good time. We were talking about weddings earlier, so we got to enjoy... Uh, an amazing lunch with uh, Dr. Guy and Marianne, and uh, we got a lot of cavaliere Marianne. Marianne. Excuse me, this I should have the chime like when we that
2: say I mean dialect. Is, let's properly introduce her. Marianne is the yeah. first lady of Italian cooking shows. Don't you have the longest running yes. Italian cooking yes, show do. on television?
0: I don't know if I'm the first lady, but I, I enjoy. Oh, you're it. the first
1: lady. I mean, you are the first years. lady. Yeah, you what? are, th- especially for the tribe. Okay. But, you know, fads come and go. There are others out there, but you are us. You are us. That's why everybody trusts you. It really it means. I it mean a great your deal. your
2: career on public television is just unsurpassed.
0: That's true. But I think it's because we've never changed who we are or what our message is.
1: Hey, if it ain't you broke.
0: Know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Don't fix it. So, you know.
1: How did you end up on public television?
0: Well, Gaetano, you probably could answer that question better than me.
4: Well, she was doing a lot of teaching in uh, adult ed and uh she said, well, we should go to Europe. We should go to Italy because I want to see what they're, what's going on, how they're cooking. So he, she said, I want to enroll in this cooking class. And she looks at me and says, what are you going to do? I said, oh, I'll enroll too. So we went. And uh, for her, well, I'll put her, your experience while you were there.
0: Well, the, uh, we went to Sorrento, actually. And uh, the chef was half Austrian and half Italian. And the first class up was how to make pasta. So I'm expecting I'm going to get all these little secrets about how to make <laughs> pasta. But, you know, it turned out I was very bored by the whole thing because, first of all, his pasta was too thick. And I knew this intuitively because I had grown up with my um, Neapolitan grandmother and my mother who made pasta almost every day. Wow. And you, according to them, when you make pasta... You damn well better see your hand behind the sheet of pasta. Wow. That's how you know it's thin enough. Wow. Because you don't want thick pasta. So many, even today, you know, when I go into some restaurants, pasta is very thick. Mm. It's just almost inedible.
2: Well, pasta swells when you cook it. Well,
0: exactly. So I, I was kind of bored with that class, but... What I did enjoy was all the stories that my grandmother had told me about Italy. That was my first trip to Italy. How beautiful the people were, you know, how gorgeous the architecture was, all that stuff. It just kind of surrounded me so much that I thought, wow, I have a really great heritage. I should really do something with this. So we came home, and Guy Tano says, why don't you write a proposal to your public television station? And do a little program about Italian food. Now, I'm, now I live in New Hampshire. You can hardly find an Italian in New Hampshire. <laughs> Not true, really? I
1: mean, yes. How did we miss New Hampshire? We got Vermont, Massachusetts. We were all over the place up there.
2: I yeah. love that Gaetano I'm, I'm, was like essentially an Instagram husband. Oh, yeah, <laughs> essentially he was.
4: <laughs> well, there's more to it than that because Marianne is very strong and very opinionated. And when I made this proposal to her, she just laughed at me. She said, "This is crazy. crazy. You know, you don't bother me. That's nuts. You know. Well, it had
2: never been done, but you guys were the first ones.
4: Yes, true. But you know the thing about marriage. We were talking about (laughs) marriage before, is, is that you you have to understand the psychology of the other person so what you got to do if you want your wife to do something you don't say well go ahead and do that what you do is you say well that might be a good idea i really think you should consider it you know and so she considered it for about three months one night i come home from work to dinner and on my plate is a manuscript proposal for the public television show Mm -hmm. so then she submitted it and then they said no really Yeah.
0: yeah they said no because first of all they didn't have uh a, um, a studio where you could do a kitchen because, you know, I've I worked in studio kitchens and it's it, the worst thing you can do is try to cook in a studio kitchen. Cause there's nothing there that you can cook with. There's no gas, there's no running water, there's nothing. So they immediately said, no, we can't do this. You know? So they, oh, I went back to what I was doing. So then about a year later they built a new studio and they had kept my proposal. So they called me and they said, we'd like you to do a pilot program. I had no idea what that meant. So <laughs> They showed up at my house at 7.30 in the morning, and I remember the theme was al fresco. That's what we were going to do, an Italian picnic. Al fresco. It was an August, hot, hot August day. 7.30 in the morning, I see all these people come in. I know, you know, they're gelling your windows, <laughs> moving your furniture, stop the clocks, to turn off the air conditioner, <laughs> move the furniture. What year was this? This was 1989. Wow. 1989. And the producer kept saying to, us, a woman at that time, she's now remember, be up, up. Be up, up, up. So I was actually talking like that. She's got to be enthusiastic. So I, you know, I see this camera coming at me and I hear this countdown. I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. But I just kind of put myself in that mindset because when you do something like this, as you know, Rosella, you have to just focus on exactly what you're going to do. can't remember that there's 30 people in that room with you, that the clock is counting down. you got to get this done in 26 minutes. It has to all make sense. You have to remember where to show the food, where to look at the camera. But all the time it's very seamless. You're just telling a story, and you're doing mm-hmm. this, this recipe. Well, this took all day long. 7.30 at night we finish for a 26-minute mm-hmm.
1: program.
4: Wow, Sounds word. about Right.
0: right. But yeah. I felt that we were evenly matched because they knew nothing about Italian food, mm-hmm. regional food. And I knew nothing about TV. After they left, he comes home. He says, well, how'd it go? I said, guy, I don't want to do this. It's too mental because this is mental as well as physical. I said, no, no, no. Well, they send it out, test it out, see how it would do. It got good review because, of course, who doesn't love Italian food, right? So then they said to me, okay, we'll do 13 shows. But this is public television, so now you have to go out and find the funds for this. Sure. It's not like the money drops right. out of the sky.
1: Now it's the horse for the cart.
0: Exactly. So you have to, you have to go to corporations and you have to say, um, well, we can't really tell anybody about your product.
2: <laughs> because in public television, yeah. guys, you're not allowed to no. obviously no. advertise no. anything. You
0: can't be egregious about anything. So we couldn't tell King Arthur Flower. Well, we're going to mention King Arthur Flower, going to say this is but a great. Can I, can f- I just
3: say something? Don't yeah. I want to just jump in. <laughs> yeah. To sing your high hosannas, you put King Arthur Flower on the map.
2: Oh, well, I, I don't know. About I mean, that, I can you.
3: just say for North Jersey. Nobody knew what came. Yeah. That's, flour. Fair. Really? That's very true. true. That's good yeah.
2: to and Marianne, know. Marianne, uh, from what she was telling me earlier, is a very picky person when it comes to flour because your, your <laughs> yeah. mother used to go to Canada. Yeah,
0: she'd drive to Canada to buy flour because it wasn't good enough here. <laughs> and I was telling Rosella that, you know, and a lot of Italians used to love to use farina manitoba, and that meant Canadian flour, Manitoba. Canadian flower. So she would go to Canada to buy all her flower. But anyway, so King Arthur became our first underwriter. And then we moved into the next season. PBS then picked it up and that was the start of Chow Italia. And it's been there ever since. You know, we're still producing Chow Italia in New Hampshire.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. That 30 years of sustained success and sustained dedication, really, because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as we were talking about earlier, so much of this Especially what you do and what Road does. There's an anthropology to it yep. as much as there oh, yes. is education and instruction, as much as it's culinary, it's cultural anthropology. Absolutely. And, you know, being the kind of person who can share a recipe is one thing or being someone who can instruct is another. But being someone who can make you understand why you're doing what you're doing and where it comes from, mm-hmm. I think that's the key to a lot of success
2: well I think this all goes to show you know um, so many people have come and gone in 30 years Uh, the the entire business model of Food Network has gone you know totally upside down sideways all over the place Marianne is still doing the same thing she was doing 30 years ago the same way she was doing it pretty much and I think that that's a a huge lesson as Italian Americans of what really matters to us yeah this is the nucleus of, of what we are
4: it's the traditions and, yeah. care and conveying the conditions the the of traditions. the traditions. And she draws all that in from our travels. And, and I don't want the traditions tradition. to die. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, I I really don't. I mean, my my daughter said to me, the uh, not the other day, but a few days ago, she said, Mom, she said, even when you're gone, you'll still be here on video. <laughs>
1: but that's <laughs> true. But that's it is true. terribly true. true. Oh, well, yeah, that's it's true. I had to
0: laugh, you know. That's yeah, true. But it, yeah, it's important to me to leave that legacy yeah. because I worked so hard in 30 years to remind people, not only Italians, but non-Italians as well, is what a great heritage we have and that the lessons we can learn about Italy are lessons that everyone can apply to their life, not yeah. just Italians. Yeah. Everyone. You know, the reverence for food, number one. This is the one thing that really bothers me. And I know that a lot of people probably out there would say, oh, she's crazy. But we don't have in this country the reverence for food no. that Italians have. And I'll give you a perfect example. I remember once going into a market. I, was, I had Italian friends in Italy that I was going to cook dinner for. And I wanted to buy pears because I was going to make uh, a torta di pere. So I go in, and of course, you know, you see the sign, non toccare." <laughs> so you're not supposed to touch anything, so you just tell the signora what you want. <laughs> so I told her, I said, I need some pears. She said, what are you going to do with the pears? I said, well, I want to make a tart. She said, oh. So she said, let me show you. She said, this pear is an eating pear, so you don't want that pear. This pear is the kind of pear that you want to use for a tart because it's dura. It's it's a hard pear. It'll stand up in cooking. And I'm thinking to myself, when was the last time I went into a grocery store in the States? Yeah. And somebody in the produce department even bothered, bothered. to say, if, you know, if it's not there and I ask for something, well, that's all we have. That's it.
2: And in Italy, if you wanted to buy the eating pair for your tush, probably wouldn't have sold it to you. That's, <laughs>
0: that's probably right. true too. It's exactly, yeah. and that's what I'm trying to drive home: is that that reverence for food because yeah. they know how hard it was to come by that. That's food true. In the first place, that is true. We think food comes in a plastic container. Yeah, we, These we we're spoiled. These kids today—they've never seen a whole fish. I take people to Italy. I'm sure this happens with you too. And they, oh yeah, their eyes. They're not going to eat a whole fish. Oh my God, I can't look at the eyes. Yeah.
1: You know, <laughs> if you know, well, if you're hungry you'll eat anything that's another lesson that the we don't point have
0: is this is real food yeah you know do you want to look at a little filet that comes in a plastic container and and teach kids that that's food i the had your, have heads on them oh, oh, yeah. my oh my god
1: i had a transforming experience with the first time i took my maternal grandparents to italy they'd never been and so i One of their wedding anniversaries or my grandmother's birthday, my parents bought them a trip, and my grandmother said, look, we really don't want to go alone, and I volunteered to go with them. So I had been going back and forth a lot. I was pretty comfortable in Italy. I was getting comfortable with the language, and uh, we went to Palermo. My grandfather was going to meet his first cousin for the first time. They'd written their entire lives, pictures, but they were going to meet. And we were staying at the Villa Igea in Palermo, beautiful on the ocean. And my grandfather said, let's invite them to have dinner with us at the hotel. We just landed. They were all tired. And my grandfather thought he was doing such a nice thing. And my, my cousins, Bipo, and his wife, they showed up. And they were like, look, to be honest with you, we don't want to eat this hotel food. So we had a little dinner or whatever. He said, tomorrow night, we'll take you to eat Italian style. And they took us to Isola delle femmine where they spend the summers. And we had about a 75-course fish feast. And everybody came out. And I remember my grandfather coming to the conclusion like, wow, in America, you know, a little steak comes out and it's, it's sanitary and the plate is clean. And everybody's like, oh, this is high food. And here we're on lawn chairs and the table's cracked, but we're eating the best fish just came out of the ocean. Right. Everybody's, you know, it's a yeah. different world. Yeah.
2: But that's Italy, the high and low experience. I mean, I'm sure when you take people on a tour, you want to show them you know that you can buy the shaved ice at the mercato and that's a culinary experience and then you can eat on paper plates by the port and that's a culinary experience. so you can have the alici at the at the Catania fish market for a euro and that's a culinary experience you know what i love about italian food is that it's not it's not as fussy as french food we really just eat to enjoy the act of eating, and mm. the and the act of eating is the conversation, and uh, and the process, but, uh, and the, the shopping, the and all, is, of it. all part
3: of it. Yeah. But can I just say the difference is because I was watching Julia and Julia multiple times. It was on TV a lot lately. And the French culinary, um, I don't want to say symbol, the 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 face of French of French food is the chef. The face of Italian food is the mother.
1: Yeah. Totally, totally, true. And,
3: and and that's why the the fussy French sauce is made and it's served in silver. You know, high hot cuisine. My yeah. French is not good. <laughs> it's a chef based cuisine. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a court cuisine. It's yeah. a Louis the Sixteenth cuisine. Any Italian you speak to, the greatest meal is the mother's meal. Yeah, that's so true. And that's what separates. And that's what I think the genius of your show is, mm-hmm. is that you celebrate the home tradition, home cooking, which yeah. is the highest. Caliber of Italian cooking because I say this all the time, especially in Naples. In Naples, you get the exact same food. You're paying for the silverware, <laughs> so you're either eating in a in a in a trattoria type place in a basement where people wear in house dresses, and you know a plastic plate type place, or you have high end Austrian plates and sterling silverware. But it's the same. Yeah, it's the the, the food is the same.
1: Yeah. That's true. You know
3: the pizza is the same. It's it's the surface. So in Italy, the price differential is the ambiance. Yeah. But at the heart of Italian cuisine is always the mother.
1: And I and I think Italian cuisine is by nature not that fussy.
0: Well, no. I remember once uh, when Julia, child came on our show, it was her birthday. So we decided to make her a cake. So we made her a, um, a pistachio cream based mm. jelly roll cake. That we oh. then we cut up the jelly roll and then we molded it in a in a, a bowl that and we turned fantastic. it over so it looked like a dome. And then we had all this whipped cream and everything around it. And I'm talking to Julia and, you know, Julia was not a big fan of Italian food. She, she never really thought of Italian food as a cuisine. Mm-hmm. Wow. Where, where, whereas French food is a, a more formalized cuisine because you have rules mm. that govern French cuisine. This goes back to what you were saying. Because if you walked around in France and you knocked on every door on the street and you said, how do you make a uh, bechamel sauce? They would give you the exact formula on how you would make that sauce. Now, go to Italy, Naples. Doesn't and work. You're going <laughs> to knock on the five doors <laughs> to find out how do you make tomato sauce. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and you're going to get what? Five different answers. Yeah. And to me, that's the beauty of the freedom yeah. of how... Italian, quote, recipes were developed because there never were Italian recipes. People ate what was in front of them, something that they right. could put together. If you had a few beans, you had a little olive oil, you had bread, you had dinner. So Italian food is much more approachable in that mm. sense because it isn't a formalized cuisine.
2: Well, and, and then Italian food evolved into yeah. Italian American food, exactly. and when and when I hear people, you know, speak about Italian American food with such disdain as, as like some kind of diluted version mm-hmm. of Italian food, I get upset because you know it, it's a it's an immigrant's cuisine, and in many cases, so if you say I say this all the time, but say we take Vito and Vito's Sicilian, and Vito grew up eating uh, eggplant alla parmigiana because there were literally too many eggplants. More than you knew what to do. So you had to put some sottoglio and you had to make some in a parmigiana and you really couldn't afford expensive proteins or expensive cheeses. Mm -hmm. So that's what you had. Mm -hmm. So then you take Vito and you put him in Little Italy in the 40s and now he's got a great factory job and now he can afford chicken and mozzarella and all these other sexy ingredients. He's going to use them. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't begrudge someone for doing that. But you know what aggravates me? For the me? innovation But, Ro, you, you
3: know what, What to follow up on that, and this is my argument every time it, it, someone in Italy makes this comment. In in Campania, the Sunday meal was manesta maridata before the tomato arrived. And the tomato arrived, and the ragù, call it sauce, call it gravy, that's enough of that <gasps> debate, but it here it we go. Uh-oh. Oh, I'm a gravy <laughs> with it. Well, anyway, but... The, ra- the ragu...
2: Pat's holding it in so hard ragu- <laughs> No, because
3: no, then we're going to go into... It's going to be a three-hour. Yeah, here no, we go we again, Gonzon, all over. But the menesta maridada is displaced by the ragu. The ragu conquers menesta maridada. So menesta maridada winds up to be a special occasion dish. It's a really cold-out dish. An Easter dish, um, a Christmas dish. That's, that's the wedding soup. That's known yeah. colloquially as mm-hmm, the wedding soup. Mm-hmm. Becomes a special occasion dish, but it was pushed out... Of its Sunday premiership by the ragu, so I say to all these Neapolitans that come in, they, 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 I call the lecturers like we're too stupid to know and you don't know this. Well, then, what year is Neapolitan cuisine frozen? Is there a year we're going to pick like 1650? Because then you got to throw the tomato out, yeah, right? Yeah. Or you're going to pick, you know, or you're going to, you know, oh Naples is the capital of coffee, not before the Battle of Vienna, right? Right? Why is the cookies you love that you my, you crucify my Rococo and my mostachola <laughs> but you know Ro has I I don't dislike you got I an mean, issue with Neapolitan cookies and we all know They're just that's, hard
2: I, You don't like them do
3: don't you do like you want from me? Know, They're
2: you, hard You, you My don't people like, make the baked figs They're hard <laughs> I don't like them uh, You don't You could, It's a free country It's I, not could, those, you, those aren't desserts based on actually enjoying anything
3: That's not true So <laughs> those, here we
1: go Those yeah, are desserts I think we I gotta step in as moderator because we can only have this conversation so many times
2: Those are desserts to remind you that you're poor. Right? No, yeah. that's not.
3: It's a, the, the Rococo is a is a dessert that you have when you're finishing your wine. That's right. Because yeah. you don't have coffee. Coffee changes that. Now yeah. coffee comes on the scene. Mm-hmm. after the Battle of Vienna probably around the end of the seventeen the end of the seventeen hundred, it gets to Naples. Now, all of a sudden, there's something else that comes after your dessert wine, because we have a cordial, you know, I, I'd say the cordial class, we have dessert wines, Vincenzo. You Strega. Or, you know, Strega, all, yeah. or, you know, all these good things. Stregas. And so I say, okay, so then is coffee in the Neapolitan lexicon?
1: I think that the bottom line of all these conversations is, is really the same. I, I think the thing about Italian cuisine, be it cooking, baking, it's jazz music, really. You know, everybody talks about how, oh, you can never do what these nonas do because they have the feel for it. No, that, that's, there's some fundamental principles, some flavor profiles that mm-hmm. people know, mm-hmm. and the rest of it is jazz. It's mm-hmm. creativity. It's passion. It's, it's what you have. It's availability. It's uh, who likes what in your family, and mm-hmm. that's how it develops. I mean, my grandmother's standard uh, red sauce recipe— is my grandfather's mother's recipe. So she was a Barres woman doing a Sicilian recipe, the way her husband likes it. I mean, it evolves over time. We pick up different things. There's no uh, formulation to it, you know?
0: And that's why we have regional cuisine. Yeah. You know, because I, I said on my first show, and I, I say this all the time there's no such thing as Italian food. No. There really isn't. It's all, it's all regional food. So if you want to make that ragu, that Sunday ragu, it may be very different uh, in body than it is in Naples because I remember, first of all, it was Sunday sauce because you made it the day before and it had to cook for hours. Mm. And then Sunday you went to church. And when you came home from church, the sauce was all ready and you had Sunday dinner. So if you were making a Neapolitan ragu, you have to start with brujol. So now you can roll your brujol around a variety of fillings. It could be Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese, breadcrumbs, raisins, pine nuts, parsley, the hard-boiled eggs, right. Anything. Okay, that's one component. Then you got to make the meatballs. So now how are you going to make the meatballs? Well, you make the meatballs with whatever meat you have. Do you have veal? Probably not. Pork? Yes. Beef? Okay. That evolved into pork, veal, and beef. So you have that three-meat mixture mm. to make meat, so you've got to make your meatballs. Then you, you want to have something like a short rib. Uh, or a pork rib on the bone, sausages. All this gets browned, and then you start with some tomato paste, and you get those onions cooked in the tomato paste to give them added flavor. Once you do that, you put all that meat back in the pot, you've, you've added your tomatoes, and they have to be San Marzano. <laughs> I mean, San Marzano is a plum tomato, but a plum tomato is not a San Marzano in every respect. Got to come from San Marzano, yeah. come from San Marzano. All right, so we have the San Marzano tomatoes. We have a little garlic, not a lot. We've got our tomatoes, we've got wine, we've got basil, and we put this all together and it cooks, it simmers for 4 or 5 hours or you're going to do it the day before. The next day, all that meat is served as your second course. And this is where the idea came from that Really, there is no spaghetti and meatballs served together. You have pasta, yes, that's your first course. And then your meats are your second course. So if you were eating this Neapolitan uh, Sunday dinner, you would have pasta with some of the sauce, but then the meats would be served as your second yeah. course with some vegetable or something uh, to go with it. And a salad at the end the of best, the meal. The best right? digest- the, the right. best.
1: Digestive tool this side of Brioski.
0: Ask him after. about salad. This guy grows 100 varieties of different salad
4: grains. Wow. Do you really? Yeah. Well, I, I harvest three times a year. I start in March under a grow light. Then I put them in row tunnels uh, first of April in New Hampshire because it's still pretty cold. But it, start, it takes and it starts growing. And first of May I start lettuce in the garden from seed. So when the row tunnels are finished, we have lettuce in the summer. Wow. And then in the summer, inside, I start lettuce from seed and put it in row tunnels the 1st of September. And we pick lettuce until Thanksgiving. Very often, Thanksgiving in New we Hampshire. will have wow. yeah. New That's Hampshire, all places. If yeah. Yeah.
1: anybody's seen, you know, uh, footage of New Hampshire in many of the months that we would consider warmer, there's still snow in a lot of exactly. places in New Hampshire. Northern New
4: Hampshire, yeah. Now, well, we, I use in the garden mostly Italian seed cultivars. And there's two reasons to have a garden. One is the variety that you can put in the garden because you, you get all these different things that you don't ever see in your supermarket. Different types of eggplant and different types of lettuce and different types of peppers. And the most important reason of all, though, is that you know how it was grown.
1: Yeah, that's so true.
4: You, you know that there were no chemicals put into that. You know the character of the soil, that it wasn't an industrial waste site or wasn't yeah. next to a pasture where there are cows right. <laughs> where there could be leaching into the lettuce fields. So having a garden is very rewarding. It's a lot of work. Yeah. But, you know, if you break it up in pieces, you, you can do it.
1: That's yeah. a huge part of our tradition, to gardening. Like, I, I, my uncle talks about this all the time. My grandfather, uh, my uncle, they're passionate home gardeners. My mom, as well. My great-grandmother used to splice different kinds of seeds. Like, we had a few peach plum trees that she yeah. hybridized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think to myself, obviously we know the fig tree and, and there's a wonderful Italian garden project. I don't know if you've met Mary Minetti from Pittsburgh. She does the Italian garden project and she preserves seeds in a seed bank. It's amazing because yeah. so many of these varietals that we brought over from Italy don't exist in Italy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think there's something very, um, very Italian about the idea that you're controlling what you eat. Mm-hmm. You, there's an excellence in every step, you know, every step of the way. You're putting in work and the sweat of your brow to get something out I don't know it's very fulfilling for people well
4: I, I, I look at it as my meditation yeah you get uh-huh. up there and you focus on what you're doing and everything else is gone because you're focusing on what's going right with this plant and what isn't there's a the time to fertilize uh, there's the weeding and you become absorbed in that task and it it's like uh, it's my meditation so
1: right? doctor guy, you're a medical doctor right. Did you just teach yourself all this horticultural science over yes. time? All right. Yes. I got. Now I got to be selfish for a second. I have a request that, to ask you. I've now sent some to my uncle, my grandfather, but I'm trying to spread as much help as I can get on this. My wife's family is from Tuscany, and my wife spent all of her
3: part of her family.
1: Yes, her mother's family. Abruzzo. Par, that's yes. right. We can't that's forget right. My Abruzzo. father-in-law's <laughs> from Abruzzo. Yes. Thank you, Pat. That's true. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have married a northern Italian. We'd have been in big trouble. Well, you know, that's, um. right. that's, how got, that's how
3: we had to mitigate that. To, to, to <laughs> that's right. She on. got in. Yeah, that's good. Well, the yeah. good and wife. she does have Lazio ancestors from she's got some, And she's got some, right.
1: familiar, uh, she's got some ancestors from uh, Piacenza as well. But her grandmother grew up in Bagna di Luca, outside of Lucca. And every year, growing up, my wife spent the summers at her grandmother's house. Oh, lucky. Two or three. Very lucky, blessed. lucky woman. Two or three years ago, her grandmother decided she was 90 to sell the house. And so we went to close it up and help out. And my wife was recalling how much she loved spending summer days under her grandmother's grapevines and how special the grapes were. And so I grabbed some grapes, I hid them from her. And on the way home, I pulled out as many seeds as I could and I dried them out and I brought them home. And then I realized I don't know anything about gardening. So I have a bag of two year old grape seeds that I don't know if I could I ever revive into a vine is that possible
4: well starting grape vines from seeds is tough it's nursery kind of work and if you really wanted to bring those vines home you should have taken some cuttings
1: i felt like i was gonna be like that movie where the guy's sneaking diamonds home you know he wraps up i got very nervous about bringing a cutting home yeah oh they would have taken that right away from
4: you and and the the thing about seeds is they lose their viability after a couple years and i I wonder if you'd get any of them to germinate right now.
1: So you think I should go to a professional nursery?
4: Right. And get yourself a couple of grape vines. But it
0: wouldn't they wouldn't be the Italian variety. Well you can you they can wouldn't. get you different can
4: types of grapes, yeah.
1: I don't know. I, I, to me, I grew up. It's like you know, you get a bag of seeds, you put them in the dirt. Something comes up. I don't know. I don't know the difference between this stuff. It's not a chia pet. <laughs> well, in my mind, it is. That's about as much as I know about these varietals. I don't know too much. There's a
3: lot of Italian grape varietals which are uncategorized. Sure. Because they predate, um, basically, the industrialization of of wine production in early in the 1880s. I mean, they're they're occasionally finding, uh, Olivella, I think, in the. Uh, Campi filigree section mm-hmm. of, of Naples on the slopes of Vesuvius. They found a um, varietal, I think, called Olivella. And they think it was Roman. It wow. was something that people kept in their yard. They never used it in a commercial sense. And now there's Lagrima Macristi being produced with the Olivella grape. Wow. I think with the Piedipaluma Paluma, uh, Rosso, and there's other stuff that's mixed in. But they brought the Olivella back. And they've they've constantly found... Um varietals in Italy that people just have in their yards or in their village and it's a table grape and it's it's a new discovery because you, it has them in Canada. You're so right, Pat.
4: there's there's over a thousand different varietal types of grapes, Venus vinifera, growing in Italy. That's amazing. But then they make classified wine out of about four hundred of
1: them. Wow. That's uh, amazing. So sixty percent of the grapes growing there are not classified. That's unbelievable. You think about I mean, I remember a few years back there was a whole you know, they do these archious Cucina projects where they try to preserve Mm -hmm. uh, varietals of all different plant and animal species that are culinary that are not uh, surviving in Italy. And a lot of them, uh, they found that they could actually, particularly in the tomatoes and figs, they could come back to the United States because so many of these plants had been brought over by the immigrants between 1870 and 1920, planted in their yards, and they were finding fig and Heirloom tomato varietals that had died out in Italy, yeah. preserved in Brooklyn and Buffalo yeah. and Boston. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Mm-hmm.
4: They're still discovering varietals, and some of the varietals they've realized and have come back into into four are things like Alianico, which almost disappeared. Wow, that's the southern grape. And that was a great Alianico
3: from the Greek, from the from the word for Greek. It comes from "elas," is right. the is the Greek word for Greece. Right. And when our when our ancestors, I guess everyone here at the table has some Magna Grecia. And I know you have right. part of your family from the north of Italy, your mother's right. side, but yeah. Italy was the wild west and Greeks got on boats and and go west young man, and they wound up in Sicily and Campania and Basilicata and they brought their and basil Puglia. with them and Puglia. <laughs> 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 what but Puglia, of course. <laughs> but and they and they brought with them the the basil and they brought with them the you know, they brought they brought Regano. the Greek canago, sure, Gricanical and,
4: they, grape, Alianico and, 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 grape. and all these great Greek grapes come with them. Viano, and the
3: names go back to the Greek, uh, Alianico, back to Alenico, Greek. It's right. the Greek grape. If yeah. you so, wanna. you're drinking these wines, and you're drinking the wines of your ancestors. They're from varietals, thousands of years old, and the mother, the mother vine, five thousand years ago, your toga wearing. Um, Greek ancestor in Basilicata could have been drinking the same varietal. That's amazing. The same me. mother wine. Mm-hmm. Right. it's, it's that's it, right. That's why we're Italy. That's why, that's why we're on Team Italy because uh, something that's 5,000 years old is contemporary at the same time.
1: Yeah. Uh, we had a great episode on this a couple of weeks ago in the archive now uh, with uh, Christian from Wine for the 99 and his whole theory about democratic wine and the idea that it's, it's really for everybody and there's a varietal for everybody and you can trace so much heritage in wine. And we were talking about this earlier. To me, food is the same thing. Food is the ultimate vehicle for really tracing history in a, in a living way. You know, trends change and fashions change and art mm-hmm. becomes different. But food, you're, you're doing an attempt at something you learn from someone else in most cases. And that's living history. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of preserving because a lot of this stuff is not being done anymore in these traditional ways. and. If you lose that, you know the, Right. These these shows are a time machine for that's, a lot of people.
0: That's right. There's no history without food. No. And there's no food without history. <laughs> that's it, absolutely and true. I, I've said this many times. Italy, Italy's history
3: is written in food. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly so many. Right. You know, you take like I said again, the Battle of Vienna. Coffee comes. Discovery of the New World, we're part of the Spanish Empire. Uh-huh. Chocolate arrives in Maltica arrives uh-huh. in, 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 in Sicily. Uh-huh. The tomato arrives. Uh-huh. You know, the eggplant, which is a Middle Eastern, uh-huh. the, the yeah. Persian word is like melanzana. It sounds almost yeah. like well, arrives in the south of Italy. Durum wheat semolina comes from the Arabs, you yeah. know, through Sicily. Uh-huh. And it's, it's a microcosm of our, you know, and the one thing is French food. Like, we don't think bechamel came to the Neapolitan court you know, through, you know, Maria Carolina Naples, her sister was Marie Antoinette of France. That's right, yeah. And, you know, the Neapolitan word for a chef is monzo Yep. You know, that, that was the in-house cook would comes from the, the French word Monsieur. So, you know, um, the pastry cream of the St. Joseph's, Joseph that comes in the pastry cream that we got from the French. So, you know, um, a tiramisu. I've heard many people say it came with the Istrian Italians after the deportations from Yugoslavia. Uh, during the reign of Tito that, that was a that was an Istrian Italian dish that comes to, to mainland Italy I if didn't you want to call that, it that. yeah That's so amazing. our history is constantly evolving and it, it, it's like in the mosaic of the mosaic that is Italy these all these little foods come and they they, they take their little place and they make this beautiful image.
2: Well, no, it, it, it's because of, like, you know, a lot of people don't know that uh, the French queen that landed in Naples, she didn't like the food in Naples, so she had the French chefs come. And- Even
3: though they didn't have forks until we gave it to them. <laughs> <laughs> so the French and Julia Child <laughs> and Escoffier can remember that they ate with their fingers <laughs> until uh, Maria de' Medici brought them the fork. So it's another thank you from Italy. That is true. I, I just wanted Wait, to so go so down a rack, so there's, If there's somebody out there who doesn't know that, just remember. So
2: speaking of Julia Childs, I'm actually really interested to hear about uh, how you guys got along when you obviously had very different point, uh, well, viewpoints on the culinary Well, arts. after
0: we made her the cake, which was kind of like the intro to her coming to the show. Was which, that
2: the first time you met her?
0: No, I, I'd i met Julia many times. and I uh, You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've gone to events with her and that you've kind taught, of thing. You've this it feels it like it must have been... With her.
2: It must have been very like Real Housewives of PBS. <laughs> well, I, you know, I was actually intimidated because
0: after we did the cake, we were. this was part of the show, so it was at the beginning of the show, so then we had to cook something. And Julie at that point was pretty uh, well into her 80s, and um, so I decided I would make a frittata.
4: She okay. was slowing down. She
0: was slowing down, so I was making a frittata. So I was getting everything together, talking about the frittata. She's sitting on a chair next to me. So I, did, I said to her, I said, Julie, I said, what do you think? Is there anything that's missing? What would you put in this frittata that i a making? professional
1: courtesy, right? Yes. Yeah, that's nice.
0: And she just piped right up. And She said, more
1: bourbon! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which took me completely by surprise. Why not? You know? Julia
1: Child tells you to so start, get the bottle out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, it's funny you talk about something like that, right? Like, w- we've met a couple of times through my time at NIAF. I know yeah. you've met Rosella a few times. Pat, and you have a long history together. We
0: do. Pat's like we my do, brother. And
1: I mean this in a nice way, so... Like, being around you is like being around my grandmother. Like, I I feel very comfortable right away. Uh, Julia Child, I don't know if I'd feel as comfortable. But it's interesting to think you started off, Dr. Guy says you should try this, then PBS takes you. When did it hit you that you had achieved success in this? Like, when did you say to yourself, okay, this is a real thing and now this is my vocation?
0: I don't know. I think, you know, I just, I was just glad that somebody wanted to know something about Italian regional food, so I Italian. Didn't, I didn't really yeah. think about it as, oh boy, you know, I've arrived. Yeah. No, I really, I really, did. I still don't think that way. You know, I, I think. Well, what am I going to teach people this year? That's wonderful. What am I going to tell? Because what am I, teach
3: I-, I think there's something that they don't know about you. You began your work Edu- life as a, as an educator, as a mm-hmm. teacher. Yeah, and it shines through your shows that you are mm-hmm. an educator. Mm-hmm. Your, your cooking programs and I say as someone who likes to consider himself an educator yeah it, it it just seeps out of your pores why don't you tell us a little bit about that your background and how education influenced you as a television chef Well
0: I always wanted to be a teacher I mean I I was around cooks my whole life my my Neapolitan grandmother I lived in her boarding house so I was always cooking My Sicilian grandmother was a butcher by profession wow. and I spent my summers with her. Well, she chopped chickens and singed feathers and all that stuff. I hated it. My mother was a fabulous cook. When she was in her fifties, she decided to become a dietitian. She had seven children. Wow! We were constantly around food, and I grew to hate this because it was <laughs> nonstop cooking that we gave all this stuff away. You know, we didn't cook for ourselves; we cook for other people. Mm. Oh, you know,
2: Mrs. Bellergy's coming. So over. Italian too, yeah, yeah, Mrs. B- you know, the Mrs. Crappy Tugani. muffins that didn't come out yeah. good. These are for you. Yeah, yeah, the right. good ones we <laughs> give Everything away. Everything we give
0: away. So, I I mean, I knew, you know, by the time I was 16, I wasn't going to be doing this kind of work. I wanted to be a teacher, and I did. I became a high school teacher, and I taught history. But, you see, I never really moved far away from that platform. I'm still a history teacher. It's just, I'm I'm still, but I'm teaching you about the history of Italian food. That's so wonderful. And I like to bring that in. And that, I think that pedagogical,
3: you're still a teacher. It's just the pedagogical tool. The means have changed, but the educator is still there. Right.
0: And I think the fact that I was a teacher made it a little easier for me to do TV because I looked at that camera when it first came at me and I thought, I've got a, that's a person. I have to look at that camera as a person. I can't, think of it as a lens, and there's a lot of people out there wondering what I'm going to say. And so when I put that in my head, that it was a person, it became very easy. I was talking to you, I was, and I was just telling you what I knew, you know. We were just having a conversation, like you were in my kitchen.
2: You know, I think everything you just said is what kind of separates you between the super popular food personalities of our time from the culinary living legend that you are. I mean, you're now in the pantheon with Marcella Hazan and Julia Childs and, you know, Lydia. Don't hold
3: on, hold on. Do not put, and this is a personal thing and that's another episode for another, about my grandmother Julia Child. (laughs) Do not put Julia Child in an Italian arena. She didn't like us. She made comments that, that, you know, she said they got along. She She said they got along. You
0: guys got along, right?
2: Oh yeah. She,
3: wasn't. she always had a retain comment? <laughs> Julia, Julia
0: was a wonderful. Uh, she was a wonderful. Cook. She was in the right place at the right time, because you know she made French cooking accessible to a point, but not to the point that you could make Italian cooking accessible, because there's still there's there's a barrier. When you say French cuisine to people, it's like, oh my god, you know, rolling out croissant dough, making a sauce. All of this is complicated.
2: There's a lot of room for error. Do you want to yeah. hear? I,
3: I had a good story about you and Julia Child. You came on your show. Chawita, you came on mm-hmm. in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. It was on one of the New York uh, PBS stations. Mm-hmm. I would be coming home from school, and it, w- it would be on. Mm-hmm. But Julia Child was on before you. And my grandmother and my mother would keep, because we all lived together, would keep your show on in the background, no matter because they were always cooking or doing something. But you accompanied their their work, their work, yeah. for that half hour. <coughs> yeah. And Julia Child, I remember. I think she was having a glass of wine. Sometimes she would drink when she was when yeah, she was occasionally cooking. Occasionally she would. Yeah. And she was making some French chicken preparation, and she tied the chicken up like it was a hostage, <laughs> with string. And my grandmother started yelling, <laughs> And My grandmother started <laughs> screaming. She's drunk. Why is <laughs> she tying up that chicken? Where is <laughs> that chicken going to go? And they're waiting for you, and they can't wait for Julia Child to get off the <laughs> television. And my grandma's going to get a lambriacione with that chicken and the rope and the brajol string with the chicken. And she's going to be, look, look, she's drunk. She thinks the chicken's going to run away. <laughs> I don't know how that ties into this. <laughs> I fondly remember that the story.
1: between styles, I suppose.
2: <laughs> yeah, Marianne, we don't have you to... wouldn't have tied the chicken up, would you? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's...
1: So it's you funny. you've been traveling all over Italy for these 30 years the yeah. two of you together. Yeah. Every region mm-hmm. of Italy mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Um anything that surprised you the most?
0: The fact that Italians are really losing their food culture. That that that's is devastating. that's
1: a great that's something great
0: to discuss. It is. So you know, the markets are diminished. Yeah. Many of them are like Perugia used to have a huge market. Now it's diminished. Sicily, uh, there's no more vucceria. That's gone. The vucceria is gone. That's that's history. Terrible. right there. That's the history of Italy what in that market. What happened to The vucceria the tourism.
3: Like what? What killed
1: vucceria?
0: Wow, well, the Sicilians. <laughs> you know, you can't get along. You go, You know, it's 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 tough.
1: That's been a market, let me just, for those in the audience, which it is, Palermo's yeah. outdoor market. It has been a market since Arab times. It's an, Arabic. Arab time. yeah, it's an it's Arabic. Arabic word. Right. It's been a market continuously since Arab times. Mm-hmm. And growing up, we, we'd go to Palermo. Mm-hmm. In my childhood, now I'm getting older, but even not that that many years ago. I'd go back during college and stuff. Yeah. It was just the most oh, wonderful. And, you, you, you know, who's got the octopus dipped yeah. in the hot water right. in the middle of the market yeah. walking around? I mean, just like a, a yeah. scene, the colors, the right. sounds, the.
0: That's what you were looking. Uh, you were living history living when history. you when you were living in the w- And the vucheria really the the name Vucceria comes from macelleria. Oh wow! Which me originally it was a butcher uh, stalls. They were butcher stalls there, but uh, so now there's the Balado, mm-hmm. which is the main main market, and the Capo. Mm-hmm. So those are the two that are are remaining in Sicily. But when you walk through those markets, I mean, you you are transported. Back in time, you're listening to old Sicilian dialect. You see food out in the open. I mean, my God, the FDA would go crazy. They, kill I mean, they, they would kill, kill you. The olives, the, the beans, everything that's there. So vibrant, beautiful looking. Yelling. The street food, Ugh. you know, the panelle you can have or mm. the arancini. Uh, so I always make a point of when I do a tour, I make sure people go to the markets of wherever we are because the markets tell you the story of that region when you're in the market, you realize this is what people eat in this region. Yeah. So those have become diminished. I the young Italian Americans, as I was telling you, I mean the young Italians I was telling you earlier, they don't have time to cook. Yeah. They they now go to these antipasti bars. You know, they go in, they have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, like a ciaketi, like they do in uh, the Veneto. Uh, and that's that's a shame. The nonas they're dying out. The yeah. nonas and the ZA, there, you know, when they're gone. Homemade pasta, you're going to have to find that in a restaurant. And you know that for years, the svolina was the pasta maker. That was a woman in the restaurant. They didn't have a a role as a waitstaff person because that's a profession. Mm. And that was a profession for men. Mm -hmm. But where were they? Those women were in the back room making all of the pasta for, for the restaurant. That's dying too.
1: Yes. So
2: what's yeah. your point of view? I'm curious. Did you read that uh, New York Times article? Call it a crime of pasta about yes, the I saw that the a yeah. uh, women and Badivacia. S- yes. what, what do you? How do you feel about about what's going on there?
1: Bro, just give yeah. me, give, give me a sentence summary as the audience of of the article
2: so a few weeks ago the new york times came out with this article the the headline read call it a crime of pasta Mm -hmm. and it was about the policing of via Arcobasso in barivecchia which is the one most famous street in barivecchia where these nonne sit outside and they are generational pasta makers and they're making orecchietta and cavatelli and taralli and and whatever the the tourists want to buy and as tourists you can buy the pasta and they also make it and sell it to restaurants now we're not talking about national distribution here we're literally talking about they sell it to maybe a handful of restaurants in that quarter it, home
1: industry a
2: home yeah, industry right. I mean in my mind this is such a beautiful thing that the po- product is traveling you know a few feet. And being cooked and served. So as as a cultural experience, you can go to Badivacchia. You can watch this pasta being made. You can bring it home with you. I mean, I think this is important to preserve, and we should be protecting something like this. But instead, uh, the uh, city of body felt the need to start cracking down on this. I mean, these women have been selling contraband cigarettes for years. <laughs> Nobody yeah. cared. But yeah. the pasta's yeah. Italy's becoming, got the hey. world's
1: highest tax evasion numbers. You know, I mean, All of these different ills. And you're going to crack down on grandmothers making yeah. macaronis outside. Right. It is wacky.
0: I think they should leave these women to do their craft instead of Looking down on them as oh my god we can't be having you sell pasta outside mm-hmm. like this it's not packaged it's not sanitary there are flies around these women are carrying on a tradition there are a lot worse things that you know why didn't you clean up the drug scene yeah. The, yeah. Show I
3: agree. it'll a lot show more me problems one than that has sure.
2: gotten sick that, from, that's right from, uh, from, from right. Uh, directly from consuming yeah. their pasta mm-hmm. show me one person right
3: we had great terales
1: body fat kid oh we had the best trip Pat we were, be the we were
3: there me my brother and John and they were life changing darals <laughs> and a lady was selling them out of her house and I bought like a kilo for he the was euro selling, he was walking around with them like he had the. those
2: ladies are good salespeople. Yeah.
3: yeah. oh but you don't have to those darals they ruined me <laughs> they oh, yeah, really so ruined when
2: me. we were there this go summer go to body
3: listen this is another food pick from me yeah there's gonna be I think she's you don't have to worry because she finds you <laughs> that, that our lady finds you just walk around and it's like a euro for like a kilo that's like oh. 2.2 pounds they're she aggressive thinks, but she thinks she's making out on the deal I felt like lady you could be charging like 20 euro and still have <laughs> no later. they're aggressive but
2: we, we like went up and down the street we bought something from everyone because when I go yeah. there they know me I come with the tour group and yeah. I don't like to just shove a a phone in their face or a yeah. camera in their face yeah. I think that's disrespectful this is yeah. their craft so I make sure I buy something from everyone you spend three euros at each yeah. table yeah. and you make friends you
1: spread the love yeah
2: and uh, so my friend had bought something and then he went to another lady and she's like what do you got what else you got what did you buy she looks in the bag she like rips the bag oh <laughs> she's like Wait, what is this you bought these where'd you get these and, he go, and he's like afraid now so he points down and he's like from Rosa yeah. Rosa sold you these how much you paid for these he's like oh, two euros She's like, oh <laughs> my god, she robbed you! And it was it was such a funny experience. I so mean,
4: mini opera, mini drama. Oh my opera. goodness, the yeah.
2: South is is like this. Whether you're at a market, whether you're in the street, whether Doesn't you're in matter. the piazza. I mean, this is the, the food culture in Southern Italy is unique. Yes. I think in all your travels yes. you got to you got to admit the the south is so vibrant with that's, this. That's
0: that's true and I think the other thing that's that's changing too is the the um you know the restaurants now in the big cities. You know they're more or less doing lots of innovative things because they know this is what tourists want. Yeah. You know. I mean I know people who've gone to say, I didn't have one good meal. I thought well, what what do you mean you didn't have one good meal? I always tell them do not eat in the center of yeah. the town. Right. Do not eat anywhere there because that's all tourist stuff. What you want to do is you want to go out into the little trattoria, you know, where where they don't speak English, where they, it's a very small restaurant, little yeah. trattoria, or an osteria. That's where you're going to get the, gonna the, the real well. food. That's where you're going to get the good food. But So I see a lot of that changing, too, in, in restaurants because they they have to cater to what tourists want. I always tell these people when they come to Italy with me, please don't come if you want to eat roast beef and have (laughs) French fries. Because remember the time that we were in Italy guy, when we were in Mario's, that was a restaurant in Rome and this couple came in and they couldn't find anything on the menu that they liked. And they asked, do you have French fries? (laughs) You know? And I thought to myself, well, why don't you just stay home, yeah, you know if this is what you want, you know, <laughs> why are you it's coming true. to Italy? Marianne just,
2: and I were treating war stories about uh about guiding culinary tours, and yeah. uh, I mean, you they, had people that what just had started the Atkins, Atkins
0: diet and they're going to Italy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then there was a couple there was a mother and son I was telling Rosella in Sicily. I'm thinking, did they look at a map? Do they know that Sicily's an island, we're <laughs> going to be eating
2: fish right. <laughs>
0: And the, all they would eat would be spaghetti with tomato sauce and yeah. and diet coke. Oh my god! <laughs> I can imagine or a, a cappuccino. It just grinds me when I see people ordering cappuccino <laughs> with pasta. It just hold on, oh. hold on. What, a Sicilian restaurant would
3: even serve. Well, the th- they <laughs> you know, in the, Italy. I mean, they you threw- ask for cheese on the hey,
0: wrong spaghetti. si paga si mangia.
2: When you pay, you eat, you guys.
1: Eat. That is true. How yeah. could
0: wait? I gotta. How do you drink a cappuccino
3: with? Is this? Pa- I mean, like, who does that? I mean. Oh. Is there something, you know what, if you're out there
1: and you drink cappuccino with your spaghetti, I'd love to talk to you. My wife, this is funny, my wife is an Italian citizen. She grew up every summer in Italy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her father's born there. But my wife does not care for the convention of cappuccino after breakfast. She'll have cappuccino whenever she wants. She doesn't yeah. want a oh. strong coffee, so she'll drink cappuccino at night. All day long. Don't let, just, let the Italians see her. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, mean, I have to say, my wife is beautiful, intelligent, wonderful. Yeah. the only time I'm ever embarrassed of her You're is when right. we're in Italy and she wears a cappuccino after 11 o'clock. you right. Uh, but her cousin came from Italy, and my wife ordered a cappuccino, and the cousin was flabbergasted yeah. that we could do this. Yeah. So at least the... The um, dedication to the mm-hmm. purity of their food is still there. Yeah. They just yeah. don't want to prep it. They don't want to no, do the work.
0: No, they don't want to do the work. And the other thing that's changing in Italy is the passing on from generation to generation of these local artisan farmers. We see this yes. all the time. Huge. We were just on a, a, a pecorino cheese farm in Sicily where they, I mean, they made the most gorgeous cheeses, but also the most wonderful cannoli I have ever eaten. Really? And
4: We watched them make the cheese, and, and then and we had a cheese tasting and with and the group. Yeah. And then at the end, and we said, well, it's time to go. Yeah. And, and then he, he came said, out oh, no, with no, no. the cannoli, <laughs> and they were fantastic. <laughs> the farmer oh comes God. out with this big plate full <laughs> oh, of Oh, They of wow. were gorgeous. Cannolis. Each of them were was gorgeous. about nine inches long. Nine inches. Wow. And this the ricotta beautiful. had just been made. Oh, it was that's incredible. Absolutely- 800
0: sheep that have to be milked. Twice a day, wow. and they have what four or five men to do yeah, this because years. they can't get it's like here. But you got to admit, uh, that's
2: a rough life.
0: That is a that rough is life, that, you know. It's a rough life.
2: If you've ever been to a dairy farm in southern Italy oh, yeah. and smelled it and a, seen it, it's and, a rough life. Know, that's life. It's, it's a job, but the younger <laughs> generation
0: they, they want nothing to, to do with it. this, they want nothing to do with this. So you see the diminishment of, of and these the farms and the,
1: the land cost. I mean, not yeah. that land is expensive in a lot of these parts, but the the productivity of the land you know this this industrialized farming what pro- now you know but the world's so global i know you're not growing for your home market no. anymore yeah, you're no. you know export and, and it's very difficult agriculture is not respected in italy no not not like it should well, be because you know, I think the, the,
2: the country is, is obsessed with upward mobility at this yes. point
1: but being realistic i mean
0: right now italy is not in a good position in terms of employment and if you want a job Somebody's always going to want to buy food because you have to right. eat, right? Yeah,
2: absolutely. But,
1: but you know what? There are some serious success stories We we always, I'm as hard on Italy as anybody is, but there are some phenomenal success stories that go like Pat and I got to meet these young guys down in uh, the Valle di Diano who are returning varietals of wheat that are ancient heirloom varietals the in the yeah. Chilento. No, they were yeah. in Val di Diano. No, Don't we were we, no,
3: we were in the Val di Diano and they drove us to the Chilento.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, you got I mean, take you fresh know,
3: fresh I fresh mean, fresh I fresh. we got to be accurate in our reporting. It's the same region, right? If it's we're going to be this is going to be No, I mean, if this is going to be, the, no, I mean, gonna be the, the the fresh air Pat Italian and I Americans. share
1: share uh, geographic heritage. Uh, oh, I'm in the mountains; he's on the coast.
3: No, but I would. But I give me be fair to me. If it was the other way around, I would have. I would have okay, brought yeah, that up
1: yeah, too. It was though. I, I guess. I suppose. I don't. I don't know. I'm very defensive. Yes, I, but, but I am. What they're I am. bringing back <laughs> varietals of wheat that are, you know, uh, yeah, non for gluten yeah. intolerant people. Mm-hmm. There's people who are mm-hmm. preserving uh, farming methodologies, animals. There's guys who are. Making wine in 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 amphorae now. To, I mean, so that's absolutely fantastic. That's amazing, right? isn't it? The, the Cucina people are. I'm obsessed with. They are a group out of. Um, I want either not Castellamari di Stabia, maybe Pozzuoli, I, I can't recall. I'm around Naples, and they have revived Roman recipes based on mm-hmm. writings or mosaics. What these things yeah. looked like. I mean, yeah. there's good work being done. There really is. And and our job uh, on this show, I think, and on whatever our platform grows to be is to highlight those things and spread them yes. and because somebody has to be the Noah's Ark going right. forward of this right. thing. all right. And you've done that for 30 years.
0: Right. Preservation <laughs> and tradition are the two most important things to me. And, and that's what our show reflects. So preservation, I mean, we I started a foundation.
1: Yeah, let's talk when about that.
0: that. 209, I believe it was. So I started a foundation called the Marianne Esposito Foundation and it, it was twofold in purpose. Number one, we would provide scholarships for students who were serious about carrying on the traditions of studying and cooking Italian food. So, culinary students—you have to be in a, in a matriculating program at a university in order to get a scholarship. So, this past year, we have given two scholarships to students at Boston University who are doing this very thing. So. That part I'm happy about because I can see the tradition will be carried on. That's wonderful, yeah. So scholarships. The second part is to create a legacy library online of all these traditional recipes that will be lost. Yes. They will definitely be lost to time. And so anyone who is serious about studying regional Italian foods, anyone can go to this library, and it will act as a resource library for you. So that's the purpose of of the foundations. That's
1: wonderful work. I, I I admire that so much because we have the ability now. I mean, let's let's be realistic. You can go on Google books and you can pretty much access anything you want.
0: Anything.
1: So it, you know, it takes the dedication to search. It's not the easiest thing in the world sometimes, but, the information's there and we can complain about these technologies because they do disrupt our lives. They do make it hard to say, okay, let's go sit down together and eat Sunday macaroni. But at the same time, they make it easier than it's ever been for us to access information. So the fault is not in the phone. The fault is maya culpa, maya culpa, right. maya culpa. We're the ones too busy right. to spend family time. We're the one you know, and if we're not, we gotta be the champions in each family that keep those things alive. And we always talk about how The three of us are connected by the fact that Pat says we're grandmother-centric. Our nonas were big, big influences in all of our lives. We're the ones in our families keeping traditions alive. I I think
3: what I've learned from the New Neighborhood, from the Facebook group, is we are all the guardians of the family. Like Everybody has one person in the family who cares, and our listenership and the Facebook group are constituted of those one persons. Yes. So if everybody's like, oh, like, you know— You know, great-grandma's recipe, the Bastida recipe. You know, uh, after grandma died, we stopped making it, and then we started to buy it. And then, you know, um, someone said it was too fatty, and now we don't need it anymore, and my kids have never heard of it and think it's kind of yucky to put grain in in, uh, the ricotta pie. Maybe out of 35 first cousins, there's the one cousin who still spends all Holy Week making great-grandma's recipe. Yep. And that's our listener. It's a calling. That's
0: our listener. That's our. That's definitely the new neighborhood. Yeah, but But I I think think that I'm I'm proud to be amongst these people.
1: Marianne, do you have Facebook?
0: Yes, I don't have a personal page, but we have one. Oh, you have one for the show. For Uh, the show,
1: yeah. I'd like to get you. Maybe we'll get you like a a fake profile, (laughs) disguise you, and that you (laughs) see the new neighborhood conversations. I think you'd enjoy them. I think you would see a lot of passionate people.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's a good way so you can participate because there there is some stuff out there that's really you know I I think it's helpful to be able to to ask someone like you questions to... Well, we get
0: questions like this all the time. I, you know, that, oh, I saw you make that monastopatan last week, and then my grandmother made it. I never wrote it down. And thank you so much for sending me the recipe. Or can you tell me how to make? It sounds like this. I don't know what it is in Italian, you know. And so then I'll say, well, where's your family from? And so once I know that and I, I... can sometimes put the thing together and say, well, I think this is what it is that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think that's the payback from the show is that you get people thinking and asking these questions, you know, because, oh, you made me think of something that I remember my mother making. I never asked her. I'm sorry, I didn't ask. Could you help me? And we so have
4: the- we have a family story, though. This is so important that these recipes and are, are codified and and shared yeah. within our own family. We have a story about her her grandmother, her paternal grandmother. She used to make the most incredible chicken in the wine. She, Polo
0: alvino. Yeah. We, 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 it yeah. was incredible. Ch- I can taste it. Wow. But I can't make it. Wow.
4: We, we had it many a time, and then Aunt Phoebe, who lived with her mother all these years, you know, Grandma passed on. it has been trying to duplicate this recipe. I said, Aunt recipe. Phoebe,
0: how did Grandma make the chicken and wine? This is Aunt Phoebe, who lived with her till she, you know, passed away. She said, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I tried recreating this recipe so many times. Yeah. I cut the chicken in tiny pieces. I used red wine. I cooked it in the oven. I cooked it on top of the stove.
4: You cooked it in vinegar. I
0: cooked it in vinegar. I, I, I marinated it in vinegar first. I did all these things I thought she did. And it's still not right. And when
4: we're in Italy, we're always hunting for the a chicken and wine dish. Really? And if we find still something, right. we go is it right the to the pan kitchen,
0: cheese. What's, what's the recipe? You know? So this I
1: mystery mean, is an open ended one.
2: But you know what? That yeah. resonates so very much with me because my number one asked question is I just can't get this to taste exactly like right. my mother's, my nona's. And, you know, yeah. the only thing. Like words of comfort, I have for these people because it really, some of them are really upset by it. Like they really want that back. Oh, of course. And it's, and all I can say is like, it's not supposed to Mm -hmm. because that she's not you and you're Mm -hmm. not her. Mm -hmm. And one day your grandchildren will say the same thing about you. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Not only that, but you know, I always tell people this whenever I'm doing a book signing or something. You know, yes, I've written these cookbooks and you've written cookbooks and you can come very close to what the flavor of that dish should be, but you'll never duplicate it. Never. Because you are not in Italy. You don't have the same terroir. You don't have the same chicken. You don't have the same fish. You can't duplicate it. Mm -hmm. You can use as many quality Italian products as you can find here in the recipe. But even at that, you're only going to come close, but you're never, ever going to duplicate it. And that's what people have to understand.
1: Yeah, food's personal. It's very personal. It's I mean, you know, you try, you try to replicate, you try to make it close, but it becomes sort of down the road where your version is the version everybody loves, like Rose says, and that's what you got to champion and, and celebrate. Well, so I think
0: the most important thing about Italian food is this, that, you know, that old expression where at the table nobody grows old, you yeah, know that expression. Absolutely true. We would not have in this country the problems that we have If we had people at the table, what did you do today? You know, my mother and father—we all sat down together. We knew what each other was thinking, what kind of day they had. We weren't like this on our phone. Yeah, this—this has destroyed us. We—this has destroyed us. Technology.
1: We use the phrase "Make Sunday Italian again," and it's one that my family and I always tease about. Mm -hmm. We came up with that because it wasn't—it was about we're all blessed. We're all now spread all over the place, and the fact that we have to treat Sunday dinner as a luxury is wrong. We need to make it's it a priority.
2: Wrong. It should be our <clears throat>
1: Sabbath. It should be. It is our Sabbath. It's uh-huh. our, it should be our everything. And, and,
0: and, and why do you think when Thanksgiving rolls around, it's such a big deal? because it's the one time American Food Day. One time during the year that maybe you're going to have Aunt Betsy come and cousin John and so and so is going to bring her famous pecan pie blah blah blah. It's all about the food and what you remember in that family. Mm-hmm. But it's one day. Yeah. We had that every Sunday. That's right. You had it
3: every day. Until yeah, and, but I mean like the extended family until American culture told us this is not a good idea. Mhm. Move out of the neighborhood. Go to the suburbs. It's going to civilize you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, the nuclear family is the mo- – the, the, the Italians have no concept of a nuclear family. You have second cousins, third cousins. Yeah. That's a clan. That's a clan. Yeah. And then, you know, what disturbs me is there's so many – and I, I think it was more the silent generation, the Korean War generation, and somewhat into the boomers. So many Americans. oh, you know, we we had Sunday every – every uh, every Sunday with my, we all went to my mother's. But, you know, then we moved out to s- suburb X – and eh, now we could be as almost as uh, we arrived. Yeah. We didn't go. We didn't go anymore. We went to brunch. We traded in the meatballs for brunch, and that's their their market distinction. What did you gain?
2: Because Italians are obsessed with upward mobility. Correct.
3: Hundred percent. And we, we don't want. It's the kind. No. And, and Ro, you're so right with that because all. all I mean, I don't want to drop names here, but all these major Italian organizations. That's what they've become about, right? You yeah. know, we've made it. You, did you really?
2: We're classy Italians. Then. Yeah, we're classy. We you, don't know, do we, that you know, we
3: you know. No, we do it like once a year. We get together on Mother. Yeah, you know. but not need. No, no. But I'm saying they, the they try to play to. it off because it's like, well, you know, like we're Italian once a year. <laughs> and we're merry the other 364 days, or 360, depending on leap year. And you know we have a uh, uh, turkey meatballs that are fat free, Italian, so a, I can't be a you know gluten free. No, I can't be that much. But they're kind of proud. And I'm like, you didn't arrive because you destroyed so many. I mean, and the other crowd that aggravates me is, oh, you still do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you still bake that? And you know, like, oh, you know, like, you're going to die of a heart. Well, you're going to die one day, too. Right?
2: <laughs> well, tell you I'm going to go. I'd rather have something Italian I like on
1: my
3: plate. We, we
2: don't do that anymore in Italy. If they see something <laughs> like my nonna doing something or like using a mezzaluna. Oh, the mezzaluna. I saw that on face. We your haven't Facebook. used the mezzaluna <laughs> since the year 2000. Yeah. <laughs> that I, was the most I, ridiculous uh, yeah. thing. Yeah, like, Yeah, that's not exactly. Since, not since, thank since you. 1960. Since the year 2000. Like, that was. Like that was I
3: mean, nonce io it goes back to the same gene. <laughs> so when you,
2: when the the you Signora and, Gene. When you and Guy got married, yeah. was it something that you considered to marry an Italian American to uh, mm. maintain traditions? I mean, you guys had a very traditional wedding. You had yeah. 500 people at your wedding, yeah. was it? Yeah.
3: And your family cooked for them all.
0: They cooked everything. You
3: got to tell us the wedding story.
0: Well, they I mean, they started like months ahead of time. So, if you make pasta, you can dry it so that it will last for months. I yes, do that myself yeah. now, you know. But you got to make sure it's dry, brittle, dry. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it'll mold. Well, they were making, you know, pasta, pasta, pasta. They made l- tons of pasta, and they would, they would prioritize what could be made ahead of time. My mother had this big Ben hur freezer. It was huge. You remember the Ben hur freezers? They were huge, and so she could do things like make the meatballs ahead of time. She could make the broth ahead of time. So all the things that she could do ahead of time. And so I'm like that too. You know, I think ahead and go, well, what can I do ahead. So that, you know, for instance, I tell people at Thanksgiving, you don't have to do everything on Thanksgiving morning. No, you need to think ahead. Mm-hmm. Think ahead. Make the cranberry sauce a week before. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do ahead of time. Anyway, so my mother and my aunts, they all got together, they made everything. For 500 people. For 500, all the brujol, everything. There were two dinners. That's a lot of brujol. That's For 500 a lot people, that's a lot of brujol. Two, two meals? Two, two meals. meals. One after yeah, you, you two. One after you. yeah, well, you got to have two. One after you get married right away. You so know. you had
3: the morning, probably the that morning. Was like a lunch. Sung mass, and then right. you had the vows, and then you they had, the had lunch. E- then and you and had, and the and had the meal.
0: evening one with the borsa, where, you know, you put the envelope in the, the borsa. The schiaffa We've had a whole
3: episode. We still haven't decided how much you should put in the envelope, but we're always talking about it. What
2: was the going rate for the envelope when you got married? I have no idea. Have my mother knows. My, yeah, mother knows. my mother has her book from 1968. What, what year did you She can quote get off those numbers 19, like it's like 53 years ago? No, 1968. 65. 65? 1965. 65. Yeah, we were young. We 65, were 65. If you guys went to a wedding, how much did you put in the booster? $25, $50.
4: 25 dollars, Which would have been not a not lot of money. That's a lot of money.
2: $25. That's a lot of money in the in
4: my in days, days, yeah. Yeah, And then
0: money. everybody went home. All those 500 people went home. With the wedding cookie cake cookies, so you know you all had a small pyramid, all wrapped up in cellophane with the ribbons and everything, because for Italians, that was something you were going to talk about forever. I didn't know three quarters of these people, because of my my mother would say to the guy who was bringing the milk, "Oh, come to the wedding." <laughs> that's my dad did yeah. that when I just got married two years to ago. The guy that's delivering the yeah. mail, oh yeah, come to the wedding. I mean. I think we knew, what, maybe 20% of those people? They right. were all my my mother and father. You Oh, come on. Yeah.
4: That's the best, it though. It was like. Yeah. I love that. You include I, everybody. Yeah.
0: You, where
2: they included everyone. I hid from people at my wedding.
3: <laughs> Do you know my mother's biggest envelope? What? 75 hours in 1968, her godmother. Wow. Gave my mother goes, that was like.
2: She they still like remembers. their Their
3: chin hit the floor. No, she has the book. Yeah, she's yeah, got the this. My mother's she, got the
2: book. You gotta have the book. She's got the book from '68. We right?
1: always say if we could do an app, we'd make a bazillion dollars for Italians. <laughs> How to calculate what people gave you, what you give their kid? Is it buffet? We'd make a fortune. Based That's,
0: on the whole,
2: yeah. you know, geography, the algorithm. The,
0: yeah, now, now you know it's all changed. You know, you get married, you have a glass of
2: champagne,
0: a little, bit, a little crostini with a dab of <laughs> I tomato. I had to pay
2: extra for pasta at my yeah. wedding. I had to, you know, they don't give it to you anymore. No, the cheapest thing to give you, they won't. Give it to they you. Won't give it to you.
3: But you know what? Your mother cooked. Your mother and your aunts cooked, and your grandmother for five hundred people. They did. Today they made people have. They have. They have ten people for Thanksgivings. They're having panic attacks for the yeah. box <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> five hundred. Yeah, right, the mailman. <laughs> <laughs> your mother was coming. Yeah. She's staying. Will you bring her too? Yeah, you know. That's true. How did that's we exactly do this? Right. And they did it on like thirty five dollars a week salary. They fed five hundred people on thirty five like dollars. I look back, I don't week. know how
0: these women did
2: and this. And they didn't ask you to help, did they? You no, didn't, you didn't participate no. in this. You no. were, you were just. I was out there. You were a bride.
1: You know, as we, we, <laughs> we, as we grow the video project that we're doing now, I'm thinking maybe we need a reality show. Where we like uh, we we bring on like contestants and we say okay you're gonna cook for 500 Italian American people you have this many days here well, your supplies no, see so who could actually do it we'll make the 60s yeah conditions. but you know it's you know we have to everybody was t- I, mean, I mean I mean, yes be exactly but, but, be as... and listen
0: everybody wanted to come to this wedding this was an event because they knew the food was gonna be good <laughs> that's fair. that's why they were coming they knew the food was gonna be good
2: well I actually have five. Like rapid questions for you. <laughs> okay. okay. All right, go. All right. Uh, out of all the books you've ever written, which one is your favorite?
0: I would have to say the first one because that was a cathartic experience of growing up in an Italian-American home, and it was just, it was probably the easiest book to write because I was so f- fresh and close to the experience of them still being there that I could call them up and say, Mom... Do you remember when you made that? I need that recipe, you know, and, and I would get it or I'd talk to Aunt San or whoever it was. So I still had them. So that probably is, you know, this is like asking me, which kid do I like best? I mean, I've, <laughs> I've written all these books, but I that one probably because um, they were all still there and I could rely on them.
2: And what's the title?
0: Ciao Italia.
2: Ciao, and uh, how many have you written? Thirteen. So out of thirteen, that one is your favorite. But
0: all these books are different because they they focus on different things. You would never run out of anything to say about the subject of Italian regional food. Mm-hmm. Thirty years later I'm still learning about Italian regional food.
2: There's nothing like writing your first book. I can that's such a
0: It's a lonely a lonely, lonely process because <laughs> you know, nobody's standing there telling you how to do this. Right. You know, and then you have to think about the organization of the book, and you have to think about well, what do I really want to tell people, what are they going to be interested in? You know, what kind of recipes should I put in this book uh, that are doable? You have to think about that. You know, you, you're writing for a, a, an audience that has to be able to get the ingredients, so you know you're, you're not going to be making Greek goathead soup if they can't get a goat head. So you got to think about that. But at the same time, you want them to learn something, so. All of these recipes carry a story with them. You know, why is it called that?
1: That's wonderful. Where
0: did it come yeah. from? You know, why is it important?
1: Anthropology.
0: Huh. Yeah. Anthropology, really,
2: truly. All right, question number two. Yeah. Who is the most fascinating person you've ever met?
0: My
1: husband, Gaetano. Aww.
2: Aww.
1: Wow. That is wonderful. That's beautiful. That is wonderful.
2: Uh, what is your favorite part of Italy to visit?
1: Oh, oh, that's mean question, That's a bro. mean
0: question. I love all of Italy, but, of course, I'm partial to Sicily.
1: Ah, uh, I knew I really? loved you.
2: Uh.
0: Over Avellino. Well.
1: We Sicilians, it's a powerful <laughs> DNA. I'm only a quarter <laughs> Sicilian, but I'm with you.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm half Sicilian. Yeah. The other half Neapolitan, so, you know. But all the regions of Italy are beautiful. The people are beautiful. The food is beautiful.
1: Can I just say Sicily is the most, like, if you had to pick one region to be an independent country, it's Sicily. You know, Malt is an independent well, country. Well, you, you
0: have to pick Sicily if you want to know the history of Italy.
1: Sicily is the key to it all. Goethe said it, right?
0: That's right. Sicily is
2: the key.
1: Yep. That's right. I'll we'll just leave you to ponder that yeah. while Rosella asks questions, folks. I'm
3: keeping my mouth shut.
2: <laughs> what was the most disappointing point of your career?
0: The most disappointing?
2: Um...
0: What is the most disappointing point in my career? That maybe someday it will have to come to an end. Wow.
2: And my final question, what advice would you give the 30-year-old version of yourself? Oh. (laughs)
0: Learn all you can. (laughs) I mean, you know, I would say, you know, be very open-minded, ask a lot of questions, you know. My thirty-year-old version—that's a long time ago. <laughs> no, I would just, you know, be that archaeologist that is its own key to understanding the yeah. food. The food is the glue; it is truly the glue that holds everything together.
1: So uh, we, we, you know, we're talking about getting into video. So uh, the last question I have for you: um, You've got thirty years as a as a couple too, working on something so passion-based in. The entertainment business, frankly, I mean television media. Yeah, we're three young people now. Rose got ten years on us. Pat yeah. and I stumbled yeah. into this as normal. I think we still don't know what we're doing. We we're here. never normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a, if we were normal, normal, we wouldn't be. My mom says,
3: "What do you people do? Like, if we were normal, we wouldn't be into this. <laughs> we're special. We are special. If we're very
1: special. You are
0: special. Yes.
1: What advice would you give us as we go out and try to grow this platform? What's your What's your big piece of advice?
0: Never take no for an answer. That's, That's hard why I've been here for 30 years, because it's it's not easy. You know, it's uh, to make this show happen every year is on me. Yeah. And, and if I didn't believe in what I was doing, it's really tough to go out there every year and beat the door of corporations or private individuals and say, here's what I'm doing, and I'd really like you to support me, and here's why. Wow. And I've been told no many times, yeah. many times. But I still get up and say... Somebody's going to tell me yes. So my advice to you is you believe passionately in what you're doing. Don't ever take no for an answer.
4: She's very humble. And she said don't take no for an answer as the number one thing. Well, I think even more important than that is that she has a lifelong interest in learning something new. Mm-hmm. Every day she learns something new.
0: Every day I learn something new about Italy, you know, that she has
4: a passion for it and she just she's every day she's learning something. We're all new.
0: Italophiles, all of us. Sure. It's in our DNA to understand Italian food. So I always like to use the example of Big Night. Do you remember that movie? Oh, Big oh, Night? Fantastic. Okay.
1: fantastic movie.
0: I've seen it I don't know how many times. But if you're sitting in the audience and you were watching that movie, if you weren't Italian
2: You didn't know what the You didn't
0: know what primo, secundo No, none of it you had no idea that the woman ordering the risotto and the soup at the same time, that was a big (laughs) no no. You just didn't get it. You didn't get it. So can we make a better meatball because we're Italian?
2: I think so.
1: Amen. Uh,
2: Amen. And I'm glad you said it. (laughs) That
1: is that is right from the mouth of truth. (laughs) What a great way to bring a very wonderful afternoon to a close. Uh, spectacular. Spectacular. Yeah. And,
2: From... nobody, and you're not allowed to disagree with Marianne Esposito.
1: <laughs>
0: That's right. You yes. disagree
2: with me, with Pat, with John, with anybody. No. You do already. <laughs> yeah. but you're not allowed to disagree yeah. with the first lady of Italian cooking shows. That's right. Absolutely. Okay? That's it.
0: Oh, well, this has been a lot of fun. Don't stop doing what you're doing. And you know what you should be doing is cooking on the podcast. <laughs> well, Let's go.
1: We'll come, maybe we'll come up with you
0: cook on the podcast you could make a mean veal cutlet <laughs>
1: That's exactly That's what all we
0: need in here is like the yeah. little gas uh yeah. tops. well we want right.
1: to do some experimenting with the video series on mm-hmm. cooking i have a concept so yeah maybe we'll ask you to come back and help us kick that one off
0: yeah we
3: could also come up and visit
0: absolutely so Rhode island and, and you I could come up to up. you could come up to my kitchen
1: Oh, I would love that. Yeah. That's like a pilgrimage. Let's, yeah.
3: The Holy Land. Let's
1: I'm go, <laughs> nice. Let's go to the would, Holy Land.
0: That would mean there would be five Italians in New Hampshire. <laughs> that
1: would be great. We'd add to the list. Perfect. I well, would we, leave some cousins up there. i got a brother I could leave. We'll right. with you. We'll okay. colonize again.
0: That would be fun. We'll have to do that.
1: Well, it's been absolutely amazing. Thank you both again for being here. On behalf of all of us at the Italian American Podcast, truly an honor. And for everybody out there, I hope you've enjoyed this wonderful opportunity to get to know somebody you see all the time a little bit more intimately so thanks for listening
2: ciao ciao, ciao. ciao. Say this if you want your life to be great see that you're born in an and your
0: life will be great see that you're born in an
3: italiano and your life